Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen here with life coach Cindy Chavez on this Wednesday, September the 4th, 2019. Happy Neville Day, everybody. It is 4 p.m. in New York. That's 1 p.m. Los Angeles time. And that means it's 9 p.m. in London, 5 p.m. in Tokyo, 5 a.m., excuse me, in Tokyo, 6 a.m. in Sydney, Australia. And wherever you are in the world, thank you for joining us for another episode of LOA Today, your daily dose of happy. And I am happy that we are back to Neville Day. We are talking about the law and the promise. We're up to chapter five. Uh, making good prog- progress in this book. And that's kind of amazing, Cindy, considering how much time we usually spend on a chapter. I mean, we often do <laughs> two or three episodes on a chapter, but we're doing good. We're making that's progress. true. That's true. Well, you know, if it's there and and it needs to be broken down and people that are listening have questions and all that, mm-hmm. we don't mind spending ex- extra time uh, Absolutely. About ideas and thoughts. That's how – I think that's how we've got – uh, the grasp that we have. I don't want to say such a good grasp because, you know, <laughs> there's always so much more, but I think that's how we have gotten uh, the grasp on the Neville stuff is that we've, you know, been okay with spending the time digging into it and no doubt figuring it out. In fact, I am particularly proud of the fact that we, the more that we learn, the more we realize we have to learn about it. It gets deeper and deeper, which is a nice contrast to what I often see. There are a a number of people who kind of portray themselves as Neville experts. And honestly, I think their, their sense of expertise gets in the way and they start getting a little bit sloppy with their explanations and their understandings and so forth. Whereas we just keep growing and building and learning and, and growing and doing some more learning and growing again. Yeah, that's why I always like to say none of us are exemplars. We're all aspirants, right? We're, we're all we're all aspiring to know more, to have more experience and knowledge of things. And when we step out of that place and decide we, you know, we know everything about it, then we stop learning. And you know, right. there are a lot of topics that I I recognize. I know a lot about those topics, but mm-hmm. I don't want to ever get to that place where eh, I know this. You know, whenever I teach a class, I always ask my students to take two mindsets and just get rid of them right off the bat. And the first one is, I already know this. Yes. And the other one is, oh, this is too hard. I'll never get it. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> just get rid of both of those ideas right off the bat, and then you'll be ready to, like, learn something new. There's always okay. something new. Even in, the, even in some text you've read a million times, one day, the million and one time you read it, it's like, oh, my goodness. How did I not see that? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that's what happens all the time. I mean, the, what's the subject of our show? It's the law of attraction. That which is like unto itself is drawn. I mean, there aren't all that many ways you can say that, but it's incredible. How <laughs> every time we go into a topic, we learn yet another way to understand that very basic concept. That's the thing. It's what you just said. It's, it's the ways, right? It's, yeah. it's how many ways can we understand this? How many different experiences can we have that bear this out or that teach us something new about it? And it's just like the never ending story. So it's, it's fantastic. Absolutely. I totally agree. And uh, I'm particularly glad that you're able to make it today. You've been kind of under the weather, but you're looking better. You're looking like you're feeling more healthy. So that's a good thing. I'm feeling, I'm feeling better. I'm definitely not all the way. I was joking with you before the podcast because last week I told the story that my husband had woken up with a sore throat and right. that I, my mind was going, you don't want to get that. You don't want to get that. But, um, went Tuesday and Wednesday and most of Thursday, I felt great. Like I might've felt just better than I ever felt. And I started feeling kind of convinced, like, huh, I guess I'm not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And he was feeling bad. And then all of a sudden Thursday afternoon, like it, I said, Oh no. Like it, and it hit me and it hit me hard and fast. Like one minute I felt fine. And the next minute I was down for the count. And I had a friend that had invited me to something Thursday morning when I felt great. She invited me to go somewhere with her on Saturday and it was my husband's birthday weekend. So I said, no, I'm planning on spending the entire weekend in bed with my husband. (laughs) So Saturday I sent her a message and said, when I said I wanted to spend the weekend in bed with my husband, I didn't mean sick in bed. My husband said, you need to be specific when you're using your medicine. <laughs> so, anyway, oh, my we, goodness. We spent the four-day weekend sick in bed, and we joked about, well, you know, at least we're sick together. And uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to uh, – I'm on the – 
I'm on the mend for sure, but you can hear my voice. It's not completely back yet. So, um, so well, you're doing if, very well. If at some point you need to take over, um, I may hand it over to you. But That's fine. I, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll do whatever reading you need me to do because you, you often do the reading. So I'll be glad to help pick up the slack, so to speak. But be, I know you're going to do the announcements first, but I wanted to just say last week we were covering, um, storytelling, really. We, we talked about one of the chapters that we've just covered was, you know, about fiction. Is there really anything as fi- such as fiction? Mm-hmm. And we talk all the time about scripting and about the stories that we tell. And over the weekend, I received an email from um, a colleague of mine that is also a law of attraction, fantastic law of attraction coach. Mm. And it was so amazing that I asked permission if I could share it today because we've been reading all these letters that people have written to Neville back in the 1950s, probably right. about their experiences with his processes. And even though she would not probably say, although she's a Neville fan, I mean, she doesn't directly say, Hey, I used a Neville process and here it right. is. Mm-hmm. It was because it was scripting and storytelling. And so ah. I want to read that letter today. Okay. Well, we love stories. You know how much we love stories. So by all means, (laughs) keep them coming. Keep them coming. (laughs) Okay. So, all right, let's start with the promos. Uh, First and foremost, if you're not yet a subscriber, this is the kind of thing you get every time. You get stories. You get fun stuff to talk about and listen to and so forth. And the only way to do that is is when you're a subscriber. Now, fortunately, we know that most of you, 80 to 90% of you, are already subscribers and we say thank you very much because that's wonderful that's how we build our audience and that's how we help spread that daily dose of happy that we all need so much every day uh, but for those of you who are in the 10 to 20 percent range who are not yet subscribed it's really easy to do so please take the moment right now it takes about a minute just go to the homepage of our website that's the easiest way to do it loatoday.net, and you will see instructions at the top of the page designed for your particular device that you're logging into the page with, and just walk through it, and within about four or five steps, you will also be subscribed to LOA Today, the Daily Dose Happy. Um, now, you can also find us on most of the podcast platforms, certainly all the major ones. We're on iTunes, iPhones. Um, we're in uh, the Google Play Store. We're on Spotify and Pandora, and I mean, you just go through the list. We're on almost all of them. Um, but just in case you can't find us there, look for us on LOAToday.net. That's the surefire way. You'll always find us there. And also you can find us on YouTube because we live stream these to YouTube as we record them. Um, and so you can go to YouTube and do a search for LOA Today podcast videos, and you will see us pop right up. Click the little subscribe button and the bell next to it so that you can get notified every single time that we are live or publishing something. And you can follow us and watch us as we're doing our podcast rather than just listening to us. But either way, whichever way you do it, make sure you subscribe and and tune in because, first of all, we love it when we hear from you and we love talking with you. And second of all, there is nothing like getting your daily dose of happy, especially in the realm of today's world where there's so much negativity out there. How nice it is to have that positive, good feeling. I like this uh, feeling that you get by listening to our podcast. So thank you for those of you who are subscribers and welcome to those of you who are new. <laughs> Excellent. Yay. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you for subscribing and thank you for sharing because that's probably the main way that people hear about us is somebody likes our show and they share it. Absolutely. About it. For a while, people were sometimes just posting, I just listened to a podcast at LOA.net. That was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> people were hearing about us that way. So, yeah. That's right. For that. All right. So, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory and then read you this letter because I'm not sure that that the context is there. It might be. But my good friend and colleague was she and her husband had decided to move to Mexico oh. from the United States. Yeah, it's a big move. And a big move. So they decided, and they had a beautiful home in a sought-after neighborhood, and in their mind, after figuring everything out, and like you were talking about recently, that when you sold your condo, mm. and, and the realtors would automatically tell you, oh, it, it'll sell for this much, and it'll probably be on the market so many days, right? Right. So they were looking at a month to sell their house and get moved and all of their 
finances were figured that way and they'd already bought the Mexico place and they had dates and deadlines, right? So it was mm. like everything needed to move very smoothly. And I think two years later, they still had not sold their house. Oh my. Now there's two stories here. The one I just thought of, and the second one is the one I want to read to you about. So I'll read this first. And then if we have time and I remember, I'll tell you the <laughs> other LOA story because they're both really incredible. Okay. Okay. So, so here's the email. Cindy, we've been in Mexico three weeks as of today. And so far it's been beautiful for us. A couple of days ago, we went to an evening live music get-together at a coffee shop that clearly targets people just like us, the expats. I got the opportunity to listen to a lot of stories and advice from people who've been here from a few weeks to people with permanent residency who've been here for more than a decade. I learned a lot. However, one thing specifically stood out for me. Our transition has been easier than most. Wow. In fact, it's been a cakewalk, and it's apparently not supposed to be that way. Hmm. People have all kinds of issues in the beginning, ranging from chronic digestive problems to issues, big issues, about feeling unsafe. They have trouble with the language. They have challenges buying groceries. Shopping issues seem to be a very big deal for a lot of people. Hmm. A lot of expats get in car accidents within the first few weeks because driving in Mexico is supposed to be stressful, and expats get lost here easily. They reported feeling unwelcome, taken advantage of by the locals. They miss their previous homes. They miss their family. The weather is either too hot for them or they complain it's not warm enough. Almost everyone has serious second thoughts about their life choices within the first two weeks of relocating. Most make it through that period of time. However, some return back to the States within days of arriving. It does not go smoothly for the majority of expats, especially in the beginning. That's why everyone we talked to strongly suggested that we should rent before we buy because many people change their minds. Mm. As I'm writing this, I'm home alone for the first time since we got here and I'm loving the quiet. My husband is with my 11 year old at the beach for an all day surf lesson and the surf today is perfect. Armando, the instructor is like a Mexican Bob Marley that runs his business from under a canopy on the beach. He also happens to be a botanist. Surf day will be a weekly thing for them moving forward. I wanted my child to have access to the ocean and the time to enjoy it, and he's got both now. I'm sleeping better than I have in months. I wake up to the most beautiful golden sunlight every morning, ready to go and excited for the day. I eat fresh fruit and toast on homemade bread with local honey for breakfast almost every morning. The view from my office is breathtaking. Learning where to buy our favorite new foods has become my current hobby. We're at the beach almost every night for sunset. We're going to a restaurant with a three Michelin star chef on Wednesday night. Ooh. Our neighbors invited us for dinner last weekend, and we played what I refer to as Spanglish charades, trying to understand <laughs> each other for a wonderful evening with new friends. I do yoga every day in my courtyard under a gorgeous eucalyptus tree. I'm easily getting my meditation time in. My Spanish is coming along. I feel like I've got about four more hours in my day than I used to. We just got our internet and US TV working, and that feels like winning the jackpot. Basically, life is very good. In fact, it's pretty much perfect. It's exactly what we expected it to be, and trust me, we had very high expectations. And I'm patting myself on the back as a deliberate creator because so many of the details of this beautiful experience were carefully scripted in advance for months. Actually, closer to two years. Wow. This time last year, I already had a sinking feeling. I was failing to manifest the required components to manage this move. I was operating on a steady diet of Excedrin migraine, and I was mm -hmm. always on call to show our house, as in required to be ready to show at any minute of the day, every single day. With five dogs and a kid, getting ready for a showing was a lot like an Olympic event. <laughs> I was pinging an old vibration of adrenal fatigue on the regular. You know this story, and I'm not going to repeat all of the stress-inducing details of what it felt like to watch the days turn to weeks and then the weeks turn to months in a process that should have taken no more than a month from start to finish. As a law of attraction coach, I felt like I was failing at my own LOA practice and not for lack of trying. It was not lost on me that the efforting was not my vibrational friend, but we efforted anyway. 
efforted by undertaking serious upgrades to the house, usually needing to be completed over a weekend. We efforted by packing everything up and living as if we were camping for months. We efforted by hiring and firing realtors until we decided to effort by going for sale by owner. I cried and I rallied. I gave up and then I refocused. I cursed the gods and then I returned to magic. Most of the time I felt like I was vibrationally on point, but when I wasn't, it was like a train wreck. Through it all, we stayed consistent with one vibrational practice most of the time, scripting. Sometimes we scripted for more than an hour a day. Sometimes that scripting was hard to do because our goal seemed so far away. We scripted beautiful sunsets, amazing dinners with friends, days at the beach surfing. We scripted in great detail, waking up, rested under the golden early morning Mexican sunshine. We talked about having fruit for breakfast and eating our dinners outside in the fading sun. We scripted doing yoga in the courtyard and meditating before siesta. We scripted it so carefully in such clear detail that we could taste it. So when I look around today, living and breathing a dream come true, it feels very, very familiar. This is all here, courtesy of deliberate design. Do I wish it had happened sooner? Hell yes, I do. However, do I feel like the delay might have been worth it? Yep. Talking to other people who've gone through this experience before me, I realized without question the time we had to color in our vision, get very vibrationally focused, and anchor the experience we wanted to create in the vortex was time well spent. I firmly believe one of the many ways the universe had our back was slowing our role long enough for us to get crystal clear about the details of what we were creating. We had time to be very deliberate and nail the vibrations of joy, ease, and fun in the sun. Taking that time allowed us to forego a lot of the basic shit that most of the other expats experienced during their transition, and I am grateful. At this point, I'm an expert on what to do while you're waiting for your manifestation to materialize. Most of us have some experience in that territory. We know the drill. Go have fun. Take a nap. Focus on something else. Appreciate what is. However, if someone had told me to practice deep appreciation for the delay, I would have laughed in their face. At this point, though, that's exactly how I feel. Grateful. I'm not just grateful for the sunsets. I'm grateful for all the time we had to create something we love this much. I'm seeing it manifest in such precise detail. It cannot be a coincidence. I know it's better than it would have been if we'd gotten our house sold within days or weeks. Selling your home and moving abroad isn't that much of a trip. People do it all the time. Selling your home, leaving your life as you know it behind, moving abroad and loving it is a different kind of magic. Whenever I'm asked what advice I would give my younger self, the wisdom I'd impart to her is almost always the same. Relax already. However, now... I might also suggest to enjoy spending as much time as possible bathing in the fantasy of what you want to create. Imagination is the language of the universe. Conversations with the universe are never a waste of time. <laughs> wow. What a story. <laughs> Isn't and that I, amazing? <laughs> and I love the fact that it, so many stories are short-term stories. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but most stories that get told, Get hap- they, they happen over a period of maybe a few days, maybe a few weeks, two years. You don't hear stories like that too often. And it shows a lot of things. First of all, I love the way she just lays out for us how much of a challenge it was for her to stay on point. Because we've all done that. We've all been there, you know? Yeah. And, and you can get wildly out of whack on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and so here's something interesting that I had forgotten until, like I said, right as we were doing the show, I remembered this. Because it would be easy to say, well, you know, it's easy for us to get really judgy when it's not us. <laughs> right? It's, easy it's to true. Say, well, see, that's why it took so long. It's because she wasn't, you know. Oh, sure. Right. Oh, that's you know, why. Oh, we could go down that road easily. Right. Yeah. Well, let me tell you part of the story that's mind-blowing as well. I had gotten an email from her when the house sold. And this is what I had forgotten about because at the beginning of the email, I thought she was just telling me a law of attraction story about a client or something. (laughs) So there was a person that 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, 
used to walk in a neighborhood and look at a particular house and want the house and thought about the house all the time. And the house was for sale. Mm-hmm. And she went and looked at it and then brought her husband to see it. He wasn't that fired up about it. She was crazy over it. Uh, they looked into buying it, I think, it, financially or something. It just wasn't going to work. Someone bought the house. They didn't get it. Mm-hmm. For a decade, this woman took a walk every day, sat across the street from this house, and imagined herself living in it. For imagined a herself decade. For, for a decade. I mean, that's perseverance. During that period of time, she and her husband ended up getting divorced, amicable divorce, went, you know, but went their own ways. It wasn't working out for whatever reason. She still wanted that house and at some point found out that some weird financial thing that had happened and she had all this money that she didn't know about. Wow. And then the house went for sale. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> or or then she then she went back to look at the house and realized she could buy the house. It had yeah. been for sale again. It, it, it was my friend's house. Wow. So that's how she ended up selling the house. Yeah. So this is the part that I'm thinking about. For all the time that she was wanting to sell it, and it wasn't selling, it wasn't selling, it wasn't selling. Someone had claimed that house. Yeah. And the financial part took that long to work out for them. Mm-hmm. And it finally worked out for them. So sometimes it's not just about us. <laughs> right? This is this is the true meaning of divine timing right there. That, yeah. that That's the true meaning. People often treat divine timing as if it were some sort of a unfathomable mystery that, you know, we, we can never make rhyme or reason out of what goes on. But in truth, it's it's just an expression of how beautifully the universe or source or whatever you want to call it is able to orchestrate events to make them line up in the way that is going to be the best way. And by best, I mean the way that each of the parties involved are least resistant to having the result. It's the, amazing. That's the amazing part. That's incredible. You know, whenever whenever I'm coaching, and, and I talk about this a lot, but how I'll ask somebody who knows, right? Like who knows when they tell me they want a different career or they want a soulmate or they want – who knows about this in your circle of friends and the people you work with in your neighborhood? Like who knows that you want this? And so many times, eight times out of 10, you're like, well, I don't, I haven't told anybody or nobody knows. And I always say, look, it's not that you have to tell the world and tell everybody, but this is how the universe works That's through right. other people. We're all connected. Everything I do affects someone else on the planet, mm-hmm. probably myriads of people, right? Because we're all connected. And so when we are trying to, consciously create something and it's not moving the way you know we think it should or as fast as we want it to it's something that now after knowing stories like this i'm always reminding myself there are other people involved that's right the people that are going to buy my house are involved the people that own the house i'm going to buy are involved like it's Mm -hmm. all this big and it's got to all work out not just for me it's not just about me i'm not the only one that counts here Everyone has got desires. And so somehow they all start working in together. And I just thought, I thought these stories were so worth sharing. I just Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so glad you did share them because they, they illustrate that point perfectly, beautifully, in, in the most elegant way I can think of. Um, it, it, you actually reminded me, because uh, Louise and I are in the process, we, we're wanting to get out of this apartment we've been in for five, right. six years now. And get into a home of our own. And the home that we, the, the kind of home we want to get into is far beyond our means and has been for quite some time. Um, but we finally came to the point of, well, let's, let's go for a step up. Maybe we can't get to that home just yet, but let's go for a step up just so we can get out of this environment. Cause this environment, mm-hmm. I mean, anytime that you're in an environment where you're not feeling good at all, that's a good time to leave that environment. Right. You no. Know? So that's what we want to do. And we've actually found a place that uh, we still can't uh, afford it yet. We're, we are close. We're a lot closer than the ideal house. Um, it's probably going to be a case of will this property even be on the market long enough? Because it's probably going to be a good six to eight months before we can qualify for it. Um, but by the same token, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful. In fact, one of the first things Louise said when she saw it was, well, she liked the house so much. She said, oh, this, this is going to get snapped right up. My instant reaction, I didn't even think about it was, I'm not so sure about that. 
And I didn't, I didn't even have a reason for it. That was just like a spurted out answer. But after I followed up and did a little research online, looking at comparative houses and so forth, I realized that my spurted out answer was probably correct for a variety of reasons that I won't go into all the details now because the story hasn't played itself out yet. So I can't tell the complete right. story yet. What I can tell you though is that this has led to a uh, reconnection with some good friends of ours who were uh, formerly co-hosts. Um, Anne-Marie and Mike did the Sunday show with me. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you where that's going to go yet, but Anne-Marie got a hold of me because Mike is a, a contractor and is, is doing house flipping and things like that and said, let's have uh, dinner. We haven't had dinner in a while because I want to float an idea your way. Now, is that going to go anywhere? I don't know if that's going to go anywhere. But it's a perfect example of how things can get shifted around and orchestrated to right. produce some kind of result. It may not produce the result I'm looking for, but something's being orchestrated there. Yeah, and it's also a great example of, like, other people knowing. That's right. We let people right. know. It's like, and, and especially other people that other people that can hold the vision like you can. Other mm-hmm. people that can see you where you want to yes. be, right? That helps so um, much. Right. I mean, you can still do it yourself. And, and I don't want to suggest that you have to have other people around who are like-minded, but boy, oh boy, it sure makes it a whole lot easier. Well, and there's also the idea that sometimes people in our life, um, as much as they love us, they have trouble holding the vision that we have for ourselves, and mm-hmm. they may try to discourage us, right? Oh, yeah, sure. oh, honey, that you probably couldn't get a job like that. Why don't you look over here for this other kind of thing, right? Right, right. And so. That's the thing, a pitfall that sometimes we have to watch out for, too, is sharing what it is that we want with people who who we know aren't going to agree with that vision. Mm-hmm. But sharing our dreams and visions with people who we know can hold the vision for us, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big part of what coaches do is they can hold the vision for you. They Absolutely. See you and see your success. So that's important, too. But I love the way, and especially, you know, knowing Anne-Marie, I can't think about her without thinking about her piano story. So yeah, <laughs> she has one of the best uh, manifestation stories of all time. Right? <laughs> all right. So no doubt about it. So let's see what Neville has to say. Well, before you, before you bring in what Neville has to say, I just want to say thank you for for sharing such a wonderful story. I mean, that, that's a story that's got me. I, I'm not just smiling on my face. I'm smiling throughout my whole torso. So <laughs> thank you very much. Well, I'm telling you when I read it, when I read the email, I actually think I might've read the email right after the podcast. And or the evening after the podcast, so I had the stories that we had read, and most of them had been about, around real estate. Mm, mm-hmm. People That's creating right. houses and apartments and real estate sales, and the idea of scripting and telling the story and the is it really fiction? I thought, oh my goodness, this like is well, perfect. it's perfect law of attraction because what's one of the most fundamental concepts that we're taught by Abraham, for instance. Abraham teaches you if you can focus on a thought for it used to be 17 seconds, apparently it's now 14 seconds. Oh. If you can hold it for 14. It's, it's, apparently the vibration of the plant has raised enough that the average has come down. But um, if you can hold the thought for 14 seconds, you're going to get enough of the thought. Well, we held that thought for a lot more than 14 seconds. We were talking about these stories for an entire hour. And sure enough, as soon as you get off the podcast, you get another one coming to you the same way. Of course, that's the way it works. So yeah. it makes sense. But it's also yeah. cool that it happens that way. Right? Oh, my goodness. And such a cool story. So I hope it uh, brings some encouragement and inspiration and hope to people that are listening. So Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we are on Chapter 5 of Neville Goddard's The Law and the Promise. And the title of the chapter is... Subtle threads. (laughs) Boy, does that sound familiar. We just talked about some really cool subtle threads, but let's see what he says. So he starts with a quote from Blake. All you behold, though it appears without, is within, in your imagination, of which this world of mortality is but a shadow. Neville goes on to say, nothing appears or continues in being by a power of its own. Events happen because comparatively stable imaginal activities created them, and they continue in being by virtue of the support they receive from such imaginal activities. The part which imagining the wish fulfilled plays in consciously creating circumstances is obvious in this series of stories. Ooh, I like it. We have more stories coming. This is great. (laughs) You will see how the telling of one story of the successful use of imagination can serve as a spur 
and a challenge to others to try it and see. One night, a gentleman rose in my audience. He said that he had no question to ask, but would like to tell me something. And this was his story. When he came out of the armed forces after World War II, he got a job that gave him take-home pay of $25 a week. After 10 years, he was making $600 a month. At that time, he bought my book, Imagine, uh, Awakened Imagination, and read the chapter, The Pruning Shears of Revision. Through the daily practice of revision, as set forth there, he was able to tell my audience two years later that his income was equal to that of the President of the United States. <laughs> wow. <laughs> In my audience sat a man who, by his confession, was broke. He had read the same book, but he suddenly realized he had done nothing with the use of his imagination to solve his financial problem. Mm -hmm. He decided he would try to imagine himself as the winner of the 510 pool at Caliente Racetrack. In his words, in this pool, one attempts to pick winners in the 5th through the 10th races. So this is what I did. In my imagination, I stood sorting my tickets and feeling as I did so that I had each of the six winners. I enacted this scene over and over in my imagination until I actually felt goose pimples. Then I saw, and saw is in quotes, <laughs> then mm -hmm. I saw the cashier giving me a large sum of money, which I placed beneath my imaginary shirt. <laughs> this was my entire imaginal drama. And for three weeks, night after night, I enacted this scene and fell asleep in the action. After three weeks, I traveled physically to the Caliente racetrack, and on that day, every detail of my imaginative play was actually realized. The only change in the scene was that the cashier gave me a check for a total of $84,000 instead of currency. Wow. He named six straight winners. That's incredible. <laughs> now, if you think about when this was written. <laughs> yeah. $84,000. Mm -hmm. um, after my lecture the night this story was told, a man in the audience asked me if I thought it possible for him to duplicate TK's experience. I told him he must decide the circumstances of his imaginal scene himself, but that whatever scene he chose, he must create a drama he could make natural to himself and imagine the end intently with all the feeling he could muster. He must not labor for the means to the end, but live imaginatively in the feeling of the wish fulfilled. One month later, he showed me a check for $16,000, which he had won in another 510 for the same <laughs> racetrack the previous day. We have a number of race, uh, racetrack touts going on here. I, I was going to say, eventually we'll hear the story that uh, followers of Neville Goddard had broken the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> This man had a sequel to his most interesting duplication of TK's good fortune. His first win took care of his immediate financial difficulties, although he wanted more money for future family security. Also, and more important to him, he wanted to prove that this had not been an accident. He reasoned that if his good luck could happen a second time in succession, the so-called law of percentages would give way to proof for him that his imaginal structures were actually producing this miraculous reality. And so he dared to put his imagination to a second test. And he continues, I wanted a sizable bank account. And this, to me, meant seeing a large balance on my bank statements. Therefore, in my imagination, I enacted a scene which took me into two banks. In each bank, I would see an appreciative smile meant for me from the bank manager as I walked into his establishment, and I would hear the teller's cordial greeting. I would ask to see my statement. In one bank, I saw a balance of $10,000. In the other bank, I saw a balance of $15,000. My imaginal scene did not end there. Immediately after seeing my bank balances, I would turn my attention to my horse racing system, which through a progression of 10 steps would bring my winnings to $11,533 with a starting capital of $200. I would divide the winnings into 12 piles on my desk, 
Counting the money in my imaginary hands, I would put $1,000 in each of the 11 piles and the remaining $533 in the last pile. My imaginative accounting would amount to $36,533, including my bank balances. I enacted this entire imaginative scene each morning, afternoon, and night for less than one month. And on March 2nd, I went to the Caliente track again. I made out my tickets, but strangely enough, and not knowing why I did so, I duplicated six more tickets, exactly like the six already made out. But in the 10th selection, I made a mistake, and I copied two tickets twice. As the winners came in, I held two of them, each paying $16,423.50. I also had six consolation tickets, each paying $656.80. The combined total amounted to $36,788. My imaginary accounting one month before had totaled $36,533. Two points of interest most profound to me were that by seeming accident, I had marked two winning tickets identically and also that at the end of the ninth race, which was one of the major winners, the trainer attempted to scratch the horse but the stewards denied the trainer's request. <laughs> so Neville That's a lot says, of fun. how subtle were the threads? It reminds me of your poker game. Mm-hmm. Uh, how subtle were the threads that led to his goal? Results must testify to our imagining, or we really are not imagining the end at all. AJF faithfully imagined the end, and all things conspired to aid his harvesting. His mistake in copying a winning ticket twice and the steward's refusal to allow the trainer's request were events created by the imaginal drama to move the plan of things forward to its goal. Chance, wrote Belford Bax, may be defined as that element in the reality change that is in the flowing synthesis of events, which is irreducible to law or the casual category. To live wisely, we must be aware of our imaginal activities, or at any rate, of the end which they are tending. We must see to it that it is the end we desire. Wise imagining identifies itself only with such activities that are of value or promise well. However much man seems to be dealing with the material world, he's actually living in a world of imagination. When he discovers that it is not the physical world of facts, but imaginal activities which shape his life, then the physical world will no longer be the reality and the world of imagination no longer the dream. Does the road wind uphill all the way? Yes, to the very end. Will the day's journey take the whole long day? From morn to night, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting chapter for a number of different reasons. Um, He he uses a, a phrase that I think is really, really key. And, and this is something about Neville. Neville has a very careful way that he uses his words, and, and it's very subtle at times. And if you miss it, you can just kind of skip over it and just kind of miss the importance of it. But I want to pull this one out because I think this is pretty important if I can find the exact phrase. Um, AJF faithfully imagined the end. Faithfully. He faithfully imagined the end. And what that says to me is he stuck consistently to imagining that that final scene playing out. And I look at my own experience, and, and so often, for whatever reason, I'm not able to be faithful to it. I just, you know, I, I start to doubt. I start to create different scenes that weren't what I had in mind. I have to pull it off my mind off of that, pull it back to where I want to go and so forth. I mean, it's actually gotten to the point, literally, Cindy, this morning, I woke up, found myself going through that same process and decided, you know, one thing I'm going to focus on from now on is I'm going to focus on me always inclining toward what it is that I prefer. That's going to be one of my visualizations. I always, inc- because so often I don't. <laughs> I mean, I need to change that pattern, you yeah. know? So I, I read, or I hear you reading the story, and I, I hear AJF say that, or, or, or hear Neville say that AJF faithfully imagined at the end, and I realize, wow, that is so incredibly important, sticking to the same story. And it's not easy. 
I mean, this is not that we are human beings who consistently and continuously go off the rails. This, this is the practice. This is how we are learning how to be conscious creators, but that's what we're aiming for. We're aiming to get that consistent story going. Well, we have so much information coming our way. And I mean, I realize that I, I can't remember the number. It's like the, the amount of information that comes towards us that we filter out, which we right. filter out almost all of it because yeah. our minds couldn't take all the information that comes at us. But in the day that we're living in, you know, it's a lot more complex as well because of the connectivity of the whole globe, because of social media, because of the Internet, because of television and its innumerable channels, right? We hear so much. We have so many ideas and so much information and some of it just useless information. No kidding. But it's still information that's mm-hmm. coming in. And I think that for me anyway, and I think for most of us, we don't spend enough time probably being two things, being quiet and still. Yes. And the other thing is learning how to take back the control of our mind. Yes, that's it. Because I can't tell you how many times I have sat to imagine a scenario in this way, in in Neville's method of conscious creation, and all of a sudden I realize my mind is way somewhere else thinking about (laughs) some other thing. Yep. And it's like, oh, wow. And so, and not only that, but like you said, you you determine to imagine a certain outcome and then whatever you're thinking about changes, like starts thinking about, oh, but what if it doesn't happen? We start mm-hmm. thinking about the outcomes we don't want and we right. start thinking about the potential, you know, hazards or whatever it is. And that is common to everyone. It is. You know, if that happens to you, you're not alone. I mean, it, it's everybody's uh, experience. And, and that is why it, it's so important to practice because eventually you will have control of your mind. You will be able to think of a certain scenario and fiercely aim your laser focus <laughs> at that, right? And just not and feel it. And that's when Neville starts talking about it. And he used that term in this chapter as well, I, I believe, uh, about it feeling natural. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was asked because some, somebody had asked if they too could duplicate the man's right. success at the racetrack, and Neville says to them something about it, it doesn't matter what you're trying to imagine, but it, you've got to get it to the place where it feels natural or it's naturalized or something like that. I can't remember the exact term. You may see it in your book. Um, I'm, I'm looking, but I'm not spotting it right off. But you're uh, absolutely right. He says that's, that's he must create a drama. He, it says, after my lecture, the night this story was told, a man in the audience asked me if I thought it possible for him to duplicate TK's experience. I told him he must decide the circumstances of his imaginal scene himself, but that whatever scene he chose, he must create a drama he could make natural to himself mm-hmm. and yep, imagine the end intently with all the feeling he could muster. That's really important, too. If you're imagining something that, that honestly you really can't see happening to you or you really can't see yourself in that position, then it it may be what you just said about, you know, looking for a particular house. Maybe we dial it down a little bit. We make it a step up, but not that far up. You know, something that, that we absolutely say, oh, yeah, I can totally, this is possible. Exactly. I think that's important because it's kind of like those affirmations people don't believe. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, well it's totally important. I mean, I would say it's the whole, whole ball of wax right there. Uh, I mean, one of the first things that I noticed when he told us these stories is that they, well, except for the first one, they were about guys who gamble at the track. And you and I both know people who are who have gambling problems are the ones who are going to read this and they're going to say, "Oh, okay, I'm going to go win my million dollars this way." And then inevitably they don't win the million dollars because they are unable to maintain that consistency that Neville's talking about. And then they get all frustrated and and their frustration boils over from all the past failures that they had trying to manifest what they wanted. And it just turns into a negative spiral. So they they don't get the result that they're looking for. Well, either that or people that have a judgment about gambling being wrong. Yeah. Right. It's, It's the same. It reminds me of the same idea that we talked about 
especially when we did our, um, we covered the book around money and the law of attraction. Right. That if, if you, if you've been brought up in a way that causes you to think that rich people are evil. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this so much. We, de- you know, any of us at this point could probably name on their fingers, you know, count on their fingers, uh, some evil rich people. Oh, sure. You and I did a whole series about that about a year ago, I think right? it was. Or at least yeah. people that are, are rich, much richer than we are, that at least do evil things. Mm-hmm. And at that point that we have that picture, um, if being rich means we're bad, we if we're people that don't want to be bad people, then we don't want to be rich. And that's an underlying kind of subconscious energy there mm-hmm. that just says no. It just says no to money because, no, money, I don't want to be a bad person. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I don't believe that's true. I believe there are as many rich people, wealthy people who are good people and doing good things with their money as there are the other side of that coin. Um, but you can see how if you have a judgment or a preconceived notion about something and then trying to imagine yourself in that position – might not be the smartest thing because right. you've already got a belief system that says this isn't the best thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. if you have an idea that gambling is wrong, then it might not be the best way for you to imagine your money coming in. And if more, I guess the point <laughs> I was aiming at is if you have a, a belief that gambling is always going to lead to you losing, Definitely not the best way to go for your initial attempts at trying to manifest successes. You, you don't want to spend all your time on something where you have a long track record of, of belief in the wrong direction, and now you're trying to basically reverse years and years of momentum. I mean, this is not the easy way to go about doing things. <laughs> it, it seems like the easy way, right, for people, I think, because they're like, this is easy. I put in this much money, and, you know, and I'm going to get all this much back in a short period of time. Right, right. Um, not, and so that part, that part of it might feel easy, but when we know that the odds are for the house and that most people that have done any gambling at all have lost more than they have won, mm-hmm. <laughs> it might not be the best <laughs> strategy. But yep. I love the stories. I mean, the stories are fantastic. That's exactly the reason. I mean, you mentioned the fact that I have had success um, using law of attraction playing poker. Yes. And that's one of the reasons I play poker, because you don't play against the house. You play against other people. Now you got a chance. Right. Right. <laughs> and I've, I've been very successful doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't like to bet against the house. That's usually not a good idea. No. But, but nevertheless, the stories are good stories because they, they do very nicely represent exactly how effective the entire scripting process can be. If you apply it consistently and get yourself into that good feeling place every time. Um, I mentioned that I want to, and have been, I just started today focusing on intending that I will always have the, the leaning, the intention, the, the tendency toward focusing on what I prefer. And I said that because I have the tendency to do just the opposite. And And I was getting frustrated by that. Don't you think that's almost like a, like a memory thing In, in two different ways? One way is that for me anyway, it sounds so simple, but it's like, I just need to remember, whoa, 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 point it this way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't that wand over there. Point it this way. Um, and then the other thing is because is it's like muscle memory. Right. Right? We get so used to, like I've said it so many times, about having a cold. I mean, it's like so hard to point that focus at how I want to feel, especially – when it hits you and you start feeling bad, it's very hard to turn your focus away from. But I have to say, as bad as this was, it was so much shorter. Like mm-hmm. we're both almost better. Yeah, that's true. Right? And I suspect also a similar thing happened with your friend when she told the story about how she got the house in Mexico and how it took two years to get there and how she went through all the gyrations oh, of doubt and, and, oh, this isn't working out. I mean, this how can this not work out? I'm a law of attraction coach, for goodness sake. You know, I mean, all the stuff was going through her head. Yeah. I'm sure. Now, she didn't really tell it as part of her story, but I'm sure what she must have done is she must have said, you know what? At, at times she said, okay, yep, that's happening. But I'm just going to go back to this. I'm just going to keep going back. I'm going to keep pulling my mind back. I'm just going to keep pulling my mind back. 
I'm sure she kept doing that over and over again because that's how she got there. Well, when she's talking about she and her family scripting every night. That's that's a form of it. You know, when when you've shown the house for the hundredth time and or, you know, having having had a house for sale before and knowing what that's like. Because I also during the real estate crash, my house was for sale for over two years. Mm. And you will have realtors call you and say, We want to show your house at three o'clock. Yeah. One o'clock. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was one of these people that when I'm showing a house, I want the whole house to look like it came out of a magazine. So I'm right, right. <laughs> and it gets really discouraging. You know, the first half a dozen times, it's exciting. It's like, yes, somebody's coming to look. You know, the 20th time, it's like you're so <sighs> because they haven't bought it. And that's that place where your mind starts going to what you don't prefer. Absolutely. Oh, I'm going to get it all clean, and they're going to come look at it and tell me it's not big enough or whatever. You know, why are they even looking at it? When, in reality, you want to be doing what my friend was doing, and that is scripting about what you're going to do. You know, they weren't scripting. They weren't scripting about someone looking at the house and buying it. Think about mm-hmm. that. That's right. They were scripting about what their life was going to be when they got there. Exactly. And what's amazing is for them to get there and have such an easy transition because they've been scripting it for two years. So it is easy for them. It feels just like it's supposed to feel. And find out that so many other people that get there have a really hard time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like recognizing that every moment is perfect. That's right. Things fall into place when they when it's the perfect time for them to fall into place. I really believe that. I, I don't know. You know, I think that's the truth of it, is that things happen when they're supposed to happen. Jeffrey Not always and, when we want them to. Jeffrey and Jenny have been carrying on a shadow conversation along oh, the lines of what we're talking about. And Jeffrey made a really good comment in the last thing he wrote. He said, we are all doing a great job. We are all doing the best that we can do. Yes. That's, that's a great yes. thing to remember at all times. Yes. No, matter what it, no matter how dark it gets, no matter how frustrated we get, if we can bring our minds back to that, we're going to win. Yes. You know, we've talked about levels of energy before, and the two bottom levels of energy, victim energy, that's when everything sucks. Yeah. yeah. Everything sucks. This is not going to get better. There's nothing I can do about this. It's never going to get right, you know, blah, blah, blah. The next energy level, conflict energy, where we're just, we're, we, it might be a little more anabolic because we're ready to make something happen and something change, but we're angry about it. We're blaming ourselves and everyone else and, you know, conflict energy. But the the third level of energy is when it just starts to get more anabolic and it's the responsibility level. And it's the level that says, okay, it is what it is and it sucks and I don't like it, but I'm going to do some things that are going to change it. I'm going to shift my way of thinking Mm -hmm. and the coping mechanism that will get you to that level. And that is sort of, Indicative of being at that level, that level of energy of responsibility is the idea. Mm-hmm. Everyone is doing the best they can at any given time. Yes. It's that exact idea that Jeffrey mentioned. Mm-hmm. And when you're, when you can remember that, you'll automatically shift your energy up when you're down in those less than fun Look, we've all been there. They're common to humanity. Everybody has been in victim mode before. Everybody's been in conflict mode before. Some some people that say, oh, I never have a conflict with anyone. They're full of inner conflict. Yes, that's true. Because they're not willing to speak up and have boundaries because they feel like that'll be having a conflict with somebody. (laughs) So in in their effort to not have a conflict with someone, they have all kinds of conflict in here. And so... Everybody's doing the best they can. It's one of my core beliefs. I'm so glad that Jeffrey brought that up. Uh, I am too. By the way, I'm also glad that you told uh, your friend's story too, because I like the Neville stories a lot. I mean, any story that, that dovetails so perfectly that he gets within $255 of his goal, that's pretty, pretty that strong. That guy had to be a Virgo. I was like ready to just <laughs> pull my hair out when I was reading that part where he's talking about, oh, yes, I it happened and I used a process that had 10 <laughs> steps. And then he names these amounts that are like odd amounts. And I'm like, why did you come? <laughs> you know, most people go, I want a million dollars. It's just really simple, right? <laughs> Not so simple. <laughs> I could use thirteen thousand six hundred fifty-five dollars every five minutes. What is going on? 
And it's cool because he ends up getting a result that's almost identical to what he was imagining. That is a cool kind of story. But I tell you what, I like your friend's story better. You know why? Because it had much more reality in it. The reality is very few of us are able to just maintain that perfect story every single time. Most of us have to go through... You know, the peaks and the valleys and, oh, this isn't working out right. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Oh, I'm falling off the ledge again. We're going through this crazy, wild circus ride. But that's the way most of it actually works out for most of us. And yet, despite the fact that that was the circus ride, she got the result. Yeah. She got the result. And in the end. You can get there either way. Well, and in the end, she's looking back now and saying, I'm so grateful. I never thought I would hear her because I went through the struggle with her, right? Mm -hmm. You know? Visioning the success of the house sale. I mean, really, and never thought I would hear her say, I'm so glad it took this long. But that's what she's saying now. I'm grateful that it took, you know, Abraham talks about that buffer of time, that we Mm -hmm. should all be thankful that we don't manifest things just like this because, oh, boy, it would not be good. (laughs) Well, that's what I realize. If, If given where we are in our human development, not our spiritual development, on the spiritual side, we're very, very developed. We're trying to develop within the context of this lifetime that we're in right now out of all these lifetimes that we've lived in the past. Now, this particular lifetime, that's where everything's happening. And we're doing it with basically one hand tied behind our back because we show up here without having any previous memory of what we uh, previously knew before we even arrived here. And then we're trying to navigate our way through an environment where we're taught all the wrong things by people who are very loving and kind and trying to help us out, but they're basically just leading us on the wrong path. And right. somehow we finally get ourselves to the point where we understand law of attraction and we start trying to apply it. And we, we stumble. I mean, that kind of environment, if everything happened quickly, my God, it'd be a freaking war going on at all times right. just because everything would just be colliding with itself. Right. <laughs> because we're so fickle. And yeah, so I, I think it's, um, I think it's wonderful. I, it's a story that I want to remember for mm. the future and yeah, a story that, story. that I think is important for those times when we are impatient, mm-hmm. times when we think it's not working, those times when we think it's not happening fast enough. Um, and remembering that the person that bought their house also has a story yes. and a life and was trying to create something consciously of their own, That that's a mind blower. So it well, it, it, it's a reminder. It's a reminder that we, we've heard the phrase before, the universe is trying to line everything up in the path of least resistance. It yeah. often has a lot to line up. And the things that we're talking about in this case are what we consider to be big things. I mean, Abraham points out there's no difference between manifesting a castle and a button. But Abraham isn't living in the physical world. They're living in the non-physical. When you're in the physical world, that castle seems huge and the button seems really small. (laughs) So that's what we're dealing with. And so as a result, as we are focusing on something like trying to manifest that great house, there can be these periods of frustration and there can be these periods of delay while everything is being orchestrated. That's the part that's so great about her story. It shows that, the orchestration is happening even when we don't think it's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Something great to remember. (laughs) Good stuff. Hey, before we go, I want to make sure we give people a chance to find out where to find Cindy Chavez, the life coach, because she always shows off just how good a coach she is every single episode. And today is no exception. So how do they find you, Cindy? That's nice. Well, I would love you to come find um, me. You can find me at my website, cindychavez.com. It's C-I-N-D-I-E. C-H-A-V-E-Z.com, and there's a contact form there, and I would love for you to give me a shout. Just Even if you just want to say hello, I'd love to hear from you. Oh, absolutely, because we love it when people just say hello, and we get that periodically. Yeah, we get yeah. an email or a text message or something. And, and of course, if you want to hire a life coach, you can come do that, too. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, yeah. You're, you have permission. You have our permission here at LOA Today to do that. So. Yes. But this was great as usual. Thank you for sharing your friend's story and especially thank her for us because that was really special. I will. I definitely will. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we look forward to talking more Neville next week. We'll be on chapter six. So make sure that you tune in for that. Moving right along. along. Absolutely. (laughs) In the meantime, thank you to our live stream listeners who are chatting along with us. Thank you, especially to our podcast listeners as well. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone.